0: You are listening to the Maniverse Podcast with your host Tom Traplin, and this is session number one hundred and sixteen. Hey, welcome back to the Maniverse Podcast. I'm your host Tom Traplin. And this is the podcast where we explore what it takes to build a successful, friendly, local game store. And before we jump into things, Q four is here, and I am looking for more game store owners to feature on the podcast. So if you get an email or a phone call from me in the near future, don't be too surprised. If you want a chance to tell the story of your game store and get featured on the podcast i'd love to talk to you send an email to me at tom at ManaverseSaga.com, and you could be my next featured guest on the podcast i'm also looking for a few more stores i want to make the end of 2022 their best quarter yet i've got a few more slots open for the maniverse marketing agency this month so if you're either in the startup phase of opening up your game store and you want to kick things off with a powerful digital marketing strategy that's been proven to attract customers and sales from day one or you're an established game store that wants to expand operations and use digital strategies like email marketing and paid advertising to grow rapidly. Let's chat. Go to maniverseaga.com forward slash MMA, and we'll put together a custom Q4 marketing plan for your business and talk about how we can make it happen for you. Welcome, guys, to the Maniverse podcast. I'm not going to do the usual intro. I'm just going to jump into the conversation. Right now I have the, uh, the wonderful Matthew Verkant and Pat Fugie. Fugie, fugie. Did I pronounce that correctly? We...
1: You got it right, fugie. Yep. Anything but fudge is good.
0: Cool, 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 cool. And uh, yeah, we're gonna do a uh, we're gonna have a fun little discussion. We haven't had more than one like a one on one conversation on the podcast for a while, uh, so it's good to go get back into this and have more of a more roundtable kind of feel to it. But uh, thanks for coming on, the guys. And uh, you know, let's do a quick introductions for people who you know maybe never met you before. But uh, let us know who we're talking to today. Let's go
2: first. Thanks, Pat. Um, my name is Matthew Verkant. I own Just Games in Rochester,
1: New York. And I'm Pat Thugie. I own uh, Gnome Games and the Noshery in Wisconsin, with a couple of well, four locations currently.
0: Excellent. And uh, yeah, so uh, Matt's been on the podcast in the past. It's been a while. It was several years ago, I think, since we we did the recording. Uh, but definitely go back and check out his interview. That was a really good good interview. And I actually just spoke to Pat. Uh, his interview is coming out very soon so look forward to that one but uh yeah so today we were going to discuss you know kind of breaking down one of the articles that uh we was recently released on polygon that kind of made the rounds in the industry and people started talking about uh you know what was going to happen what what is the future of the friendly local game store look like is it you know our, our game store is a, is the retail version of the game store doomed what do you guys think
2: well, Pat, if you don't mind, I'll go first because I think your experience with FAs is going to be a, a more interesting follow-up. You know, cards on the table, Tom. You know, I I kind of think if if it were doomed, Barnes & Noble would have put us all out of business over a decade ago and they put Starbucks in there next to their board game section. Um, you know, I think the first time I came on, I said, I think bad retail is, in, is going to have a hard time going forward. And I think that's still true. I think if you're not training your skills in your staff and you don't have a... A real business plan under you and you really have an idea of who your market and your audience is, you're going to struggle. Um, you know, I, I suspect for cafes, if you've got the location and the market and it fits into your sort of vision of what you want your business to be, you can probably make a killing at it. Personally, I have zero restaurateur skills and no interest in acquiring them. So <laughs> I know I would have money to try, so I've never made the attempt. But, um, but somebody like Pat who seems to just be able to pick skills up left and right, you know, Pat, I'm sure you're having a totally different experience.
1: It, it, it's different, but it, it, you hit it, hit the nail on the head. You know, we've been doing this 20 years. And when we first opened the in-store play experience was not a thing. I mean, you know, back in the early two thousands, we got told we were crazy when we were going to a massive 3000 square foot store with half of a dedicated OP space. And I think the evolution of, of, the hobby game industry is going to continue with improving the experience of the player, whether it's like the facility I'm in right now, which is a new style of board game cafe to the classic high-end play experiences to whatever it is. Um, We're the good retailers are very agile. They're going to look at their market and they're going to find ways to have that experience. So the market rewards them for doing it. But again, the um, as, as Matthew said, bad retailers Uh, they're just going to go away and that's you know since the beginning of time that's the way it's worked you know we watched Toys R Us go away at one point in time Toys R Us was the vile evil enemy of of everybody who sold Pokemon so you know it's it's the future isn't as bleak as I think some people think it is but you know we're gonna make it work. It seems like every
2: year there's been a different uh, a different boogeyman. You mentioned Toys R Us, right? You know, it's like pick go twelve months and pick another enemy that's gonna put local retail out of business. You know, uh, I mentioned to Tom just before you we, we hit record that this is just it's just under twenty years for me. So you've been a little bit longer than I have. Yep. But I th- I feel like there's been as many things killing the store as there have been years that I've done it, and I feel like the cafe is a great. Kind of market expansion, right? It's serving a different group, serving that group differently. It's a, a market adjustment, but you know, uh, I kind of wish we had a, a, a cafe or a themed restaurant locally that I could kind of work with somebody with that skill set, but we don't, and so you know, we kind of we kind of float around that space, thinking, you know, yeah, there's probably people out there we're not reaching currently,
1: right? And. That's just it. You know, I look at my three markets, and in two of the markets, a cafe would go great. And in the third market, I'd, no, I no, I, I'd, I'd be better off standing out and handing $5 bills going by. I'd go, I'd go broke slower. You know, it, it's just the way it is, and, and we have to figure out how to do that. You know, my big concern is, is this perception that I can all of a sudden become a successful either small restaurant, small cafe, because I'm having people with board games at the tables, or rescue a dying game store by starting to serve food. And it really, it's going to die faster on on both ends. You know, you've got to have great food service, and food service requires turning at tables. And, you know, in-store gameplay is counterintuitive to that. So, um, you know, I know quite a few places have fairly successfully gone to the Charge by the hours type method, but when we do the math, um, unless there's alcohol involved, it really doesn't hit the highest potential that you can. And that's you know that's that's our job in business is to actually maximize the potential and the experience for the customer.
0: For sure, for sure. And I think uh, uh, Matt, you made a really interesting point when you uh, when we originally just kind of discussing the idea of even just discussing the idea about how uh, the game cafe model that they seem to cite in the article, is more of the Snakes and Lattes version, where it's like, you know, like Pat said, it's uh, either you sit down at the table and you're, you're paying a, a certain rate, five bucks for the table, then you get access to the game library. Uh, but that's not really what a friendly local game store does in its entirety, right? Like, it, they can't, you know, they're, they're not embodying the full experience of what a retail, or like a, a really well-done retail operation can be. So saying that the game cafe is taking over for, you know, the average LGS-style business isn't really, like, they're not playing the same game, right? So I thought that was a very interesting take on that thing. So why do you feel like, you know, that version is not necessarily uh, a good comparison?
2: So I I think... I think it's just a different business model is kind of what I'm, what I was getting at with that comment. You know, you're, you're talking about essentially a themed cafe that's using games to bring people in and sell them food and beverages. And again, I don't know much about the food and beverage service, but I see a lot of themed restaurants locally. They seem to do pretty well. They all have kind of a different get you in the door, get you to stay for two hours, get you to buy your meal or get you to buy a couple of beers or whatever it is they're doing. Um, I suspect, you know, if you have a spot that's great for a cafe, I mean, Pat mentioned he has one market he wouldn't want to open one in. I think if you have a location that's good for a cafe, it may not be good for retail. If you have a location that's good for retail, it's not necessarily good for a cafe. So, you know, I think whatever you're doing, you're kind of, you're opening the business that's right for the market that fills a need in that market. That's kind of the job of a business plan. It's kind of the job of a business owner. Figure out what the customer's need is and meet that if there's somebody out there kind of looking at opening a store and they're thinking, well, uh, you know, I'll open a, a restaurant or I'll open a store because that's what I know. Well, you know, what, you know, may not be what your market needs. So I think that market analysis is just really, really key. And in some cases, maybe it's a hybrid, right? Maybe that's going to make twice as much money, be twice as good, but in some cases it might just be one or the other or neither.
1: Yeah. And, and that makes it, you know, we looked at it from just the restaurant side and it's the same thing. You know, you don't put, a fast-food pizza place in a high-end market you know you, you go for high-end tables low table turns and and you know you still sell that piece of beef for five times what you would at a burger joint you know that that's that's the experience that you get and and trying to classify that board game cafe into a small uh type of operation like that is really pretty close-minded um and it it really limits your potential
0: so for People who are thinking about, oh, well, maybe I do want to open a cafe. or Maybe I do want a retail store. I'm not sure. I'm in the middle. How do you, how would you say, what, what should they do to figure out what's the best option for them? How do they do that research? Like, I guess this would be a, a good question for Pat. How did you figure out that, yes, cafe is going to work here? What were, like, the variables that made you certain that you were going to, you know, be successful and not roll the dice on something unnecessary?
1: the property i'm in right now is a high traffic tourist town um and we knew from seven or eight years of research on this in in this area what where we needed to be um and we had full intent of opening up a specialized a very high-end specialized game store up here but um the property that we were able to get into was already set for a kitchen and we both Paul and I had some food experience, food and beverage experience prior to that. We have enough resources that we could do it right. Um, and so it really made a lot of sense for it, but we'd spent a year on the business plan, you know, and, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't an afternoon, hey, we're gonna do this, you know, um, and we still had, um, you know, a lot of things that just, and if on the food and beverage side that just don't make sense to a gamer, you know a game store you know the, the the frequency of ordering and you know the big decision do we have a deep fryer or not have a deep fryer there's so many variables in the food and beverage side that don't come into play on the game side and then you flip it upside down on the game side now how are we going to complement this and sell things you know in this particular property i have only got about 20 percent of the inventory i have in my other stores because this is a high turn facility so you know we're going to sell you know, 100 games we're going to sell multiple 100 copies of versus in my other stores I'm going to have 1,000 games I'm going to sell two copies of. You know, it's a very different model. And and that's all in the planning process. Um, the hybrid model of the cafe and the, and the retail requires a lot more resources, both in intellectual resources and also in management capabilities. You know, I couldn't do this myself. I've got to have a good team already landing on your feet and from for a new location. Um you know, a game store can open with literally a white, uh, a white table and in four chairs and a cash box, you know, we've seen that for the last 20 years, and potentially make it, you can't do that with a restaurant.
2: Resources and experience, right? That's nail nail right. On the head, right? If you, you've got to have resources, you've got to have experience for whatever, whatever model you're trying to open. And And I would think certainly from what I've, research of restaurants, you know, if you go in without experience or resources, you will definitely fail faster than if you go in with a table and a cash box.
1: <laughs> you know, even food trucks, are they're going the other direction, you know. The next thing we're going to see is we're going to see Pokemon and Magic selling food trucks, right? You can get your hot dog, your soda, and a pack of Pokemon, right? There we go.
0: Well, the thing is becoming more mainstream, so you, you might be, you know, clairvoyant. you might be seeing the future right now as to how things are going to play out that that may be a joke right now, but maybe in the future very soon.
2: I've got a neighbor with a dozen food trucks, Pat, if you want to,
1: like, work on that. <laughs> no, no, no. Can you say I'm in the twilight? I, I want to get out of this in the next 10 years somehow. So.
0: so what were some of the other boogeymen in the past that uh, people have been going on about? Like, I know that, you know, Every magic set, there's always a a collection of or there's always a subset of the population that this is the end of the game. It's all it's all gone downhill from here. So I'm sure there's people like that in the industry. What uh, what other boogeymen have uh, have uh, game stores encountered in the past that we've overcome?
2: I mean, years ago, you know, Gamma, there was talk about game stores being an obsolete model. And then it was talk about the Internet and Amazon specifically. And I mean, I'm sure I'm going to forget things, but. you know it's it's almost to a, a silly degree how consistent it is that it, there's any change at all and that's going to be the end of game stores as we know them and I, other trades must be like this but I'm probably more aware of it <laughs> you no know, the sky is always falling in the game.
1: <laughs> yeah i mean you know we, we had we had things when wizards lost pokemon you know oh my god it's going to be the end of pokemon now look at where we are now it's we're totally upside down um, cool mini came on you know oh they're gonna destroy us um you know it it, it, it's literally pick your bad guy of the week type of thing games
2: right that was was it we would never sell a board game again
1: had we stayed this in the same model that we were though Mm -hmm. we would be gone and that's that's the whole thing that everybody forgets about is is good retailers are highly adaptable um They sit down, they figure out what the challenges are. Um, Guys like Matthew, you know, they look ahead and say, okay, where do we need to be three years from now based on what we see today? And that's already in in plan. So what are you going to do about this new beta set, Matthew?
2: (laughs) Well, you know, we kind of have a baked in, a big a big segment of our marketing, and Tom and I have talked about this, is doing, um, you know, community events that are more like charity fundraisers, that kind of thing benefits, right? And so I see any product that comes down the pipeline where I'm told, you have a finite number, and it's probably going to be like single digits, that's already where my head is, right? Because I'm not going to be able to make happy customers, even if I had 75 people that wanted to spend $1,000 a pack, I'm not going to get 75 packs, so it makes more sense to do something that generates community involvement without having to have everyone get that thing. Um, but that's me. I mean, I think a lot of stores are going to have different solutions to that.
1: I, I think you hit the nail on the head for, and that goes back to longevity is getting involved in your community, whatever it is, you know, it's, it's you've, you've done your, your fundraisers and stuff. We do silly things like racing and, and going to schools and stuff like that. It, it's all where we fit in and what we do. And, and, on on the new beta stuff, we're on the same sheet of music, is how can I leverage that to build my community more than to pay my rent for the month?
2: Yeah, yeah. the dollars, I think, are less important than than getting as much engagement out of that opportunity as you can.
0: And we should probably explain what's happening as well. Just for someone who has not yet seen the announcement that uh, Wizards recently decided that for the 30th anniversary, they're going to release a special, very limited, how limited, we know exactly, but limited uh, print run of a essentially a reprinting of Beta that people can buy for $9.99 for four booster packs and get a chance to open up all kinds of crazy stuff like Power Nine and Black Lotuses and the retro card frame and the brand new card frame and and all of that kind of wackiness. But uh, yeah, this was this, for something that's like fresh off the press. This thing was uh, received very differently from different groups. And there's a lot of a lot of people who. are uh, equally like upset as well as excited. So it's very interesting.
2: It's, it's almost as though one of the goals of social media advertising is to generate enough outrage that people spread that message around for you. Right.
0: (laughs) Something like that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I, and, and here we are, right. We're talking about it. So, you know, it's working. (laughs)
2: Mission accomplished, there's a grain of, You know, getting into the podcast kind of like core, right? There's a grain of maybe you don't want to go with the outrage method for your marketing, but getting people talking about what your brand is doing is such a key skill to develop. And you can, you know, love or hate what an individual company is doing, but wizards is very good at getting you to talk about their brand.
1: They're, they're awesome at it. And you know, it's, it's how we decide to run with it. You know, in the big picture of things, it's a non-entity, really, for, for any of the, the retailers that are going to get anything out of it. You know, maybe some secondary market churn, but nothing serious.
0: Yeah, I'm more interested in seeing what kind of content comes out of it because, you know, people opening up beta booster packs is certainly uh, an exciting thing to see. It doesn't happen every day, so this is kind of like a way of going back in time and getting your chance at opening something kind of crazy, kind of ridiculous. So I'm sure once, once these, you know... Hit the market, and customers start actually receiving their their boxes. That uh, I'm sure there will be a surge of people, you know, opening these packs on YouTube and, and that sort of thing. So that'll be interesting. That kind of stuff. Uh, I, I definitely see that as like another avenue that stores, if they want to, you know, open their packs. That's primo content if you want to put that out on social media. Like people will be tuning yep. in for that for sure. Yeah. But I definitely yeah, like the, the angle of saying um, using it as a community yeah. building tool
2: there are stores with content creation as part of their model, I think this is a golden opportunity.
1: Yeah, I think the one thing that we have to be aware of is that everybody and their brother is going to be doing it at the same time. And so it'll be kind of like last year when we had all the Pokemon folks opening it and everybody else was hopping in on it. All of a sudden there was just so much Pokemon being opened that it became spam content virtually so you know it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how fast it comes how fast it gets so big that nobody wants to watch it and then how fast it goes away
0: i'm surprised nobody said that this is the end of magic and that it's uh, it's game over from here or maybe that is being said Maybe that's oh it is
1: we, we don't yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i guess there were enough people, like, like there was that uh like i was saying before that the post from marrow about how they'll never ever reprint reserved list cards, and this is that's been a thing for a long time for like a couple of decades now. People talking about what about the reserve list? What is this going to mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? And how this was this protected property, this protected asset that they were never ever going to touch or do anything with or mess with, and that your investment is safe. And they were concerned about potential lawsuits and all kinds of stuff. What are the odds that this is going to blow up in their face?
2: <laughs> I think that staff has a going on it right so uh, what odds are they giving each
1: other (laughs) oh you know you know there there's the uh the the in-house pool as to when the first lawsuit's going to be filed who knows you know it's more tongue-in-cheek you know it's um you know we it it goes along with with the boogeyman type thing um you know is it going to happen isn't it going to happen it really has no ramification on anything that we do um, you know, Vintage Magic is about as dead as it gets. It's a collector's thing, um, you know. Um, and for those that are in the high-end collectibles, that's cool. You know, it's, it's um, cardboard Funko Pops. There we go, with a big price tag, you know. It's,
2: it's very funny. Our community manager used almost that exact phrase about 15 minutes after that tweet came out this morning. So I, I think there's a lot of heads in the same place in retail. I think the only thing I think is maybe a little surprising that we haven't heard. I mean, I would have expected this to be something you could draft at Magic 30 with everything Wizards has been doing there. Um, I, I doubt that announcement is coming, but it seems like a strange decision. I would want to draft that. would be cool. the cool. that most
0: expensive
2: draft, draft ever. Draft. Yeah, right, but if I'm going to got that money and I'm going to spend it anyway, I want to play There you it, go. You, know? yeah.
0: you and some yeah. other friends
2: throw down $8,000 and boom, you got a beta <laughs> draft going on. Law firm draft, doctor's office draft,
1: you know, <laughs> race car draft, you know, and and you know that goes back to the experience. You know, if you've got a bunch of doctors, attorneys, lawyers, whatever they are, that want to do it, and you've got the finances to do it, more power to Wizards for engaging that very tiny, tiny segment of the community. Um, you know, it's it's you know the average game store isn't going to see that because we grow gamers. You know. Now, now it's Wizard's time to pick the fruit. So
0: it's very interesting. I, I'm really interested to see what happens, how it plays out, and how the market responds, and how everybody you know feels about it going forward. It will be very interesting to see what happens. I'm wondering how they're going to top it. You know, what's thirty? What's the 35th anniversary going to look like, or the 40th? Assuming they get there. You know, assuming things keep rolling the way
1: they do. That's their R and D folks. You know, and. The, they're getting to the end of the life cycle of, you know, you got 30 years in there. There's almost nobody left that's working, that was working there originally. And pretty soon you're going to not have anybody around to do that. So, you know, what does the true next generation of Magic look like? Or, you know, or anything tabletop. You know, we've gone through a full generation of Pokemon where we've got a new generation in. The Magic generation is just starting, but now we have a new an entire new generation of developers with all the licenses that they have to go after, you know. Are we going to see a Star Wars magic? Are we going to see whatever, you know? Um, we're already seeing the licenses that Hasbro's got. Will the mouse play along? I think the bigger story is here is what is Ravensburger gonna, going to drain off the side, and are, is Disney going to stay with Ravensburger and deny Hasbro access on the trading card side?
2: We have a lot of interest from our magic community already on uh, or on Lorcana. Um, yep. So, yeah, that's something we're watching pretty closely too. I think. I think there's a lot of potential there to build a great new community of people that maybe haven't been as engaged with hobby gaming, which is uh, great. Um, but it will be kind of fascinating to watch the, the sort of back end publisher drama play out too.
0: Yeah, no, like Wizards is obviously moving in that direction. Like, everything's a crossover now, and they're, they're playing pretty nicely with a lot of other places, and it seems to be doing reasonably well. So I wouldn't be surprised if at some point in the future there is, you know, certain properties that uh, that make their way onto Magic cards that are not going to at the moment. Uh, but I guess a lot of it will depend on the success of Lorcan whether or not that becomes something that they're going to invest in to compete directly against Magic or not, or if they're going to leverage it in some other ways. They got a real uphill battle though. Like no matter how popular it is, like how many games have we seen, you know, over the last fifteen years you know, get the hype about how this is the, the new new hot game that's going to be the, the trading card game and then it dies out after a couple of years and then that's gone. Like other than Pokemon, nothing has really had that. I guess Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh are the only ones that have had any real longevity.
1: Well, they've been able to manage their brand effectively. You know, every, the, the big three, that's what they do is they manage the brand and make all those decisions around the brand rather than, um, you know, chasing the pop. Or or the fanboy stuff. You know, we watch so many games come out that it's gonna be the next great competitive game and you know, from where I sit, competitive players are great, they drive interest, but they don't grow the game. And you know, it's over the long term and they actually in many communities are detrimental to the growth of the community.
2: I think something that you said earlier about kind of retail's job is making gamers or you said something very similar, making new people. You know, I think I tend to think about these things less in terms of the longevity of the game as a game and, and what kind of community it brings into the hobby gaming space, right? So when Star Wars Destiny, since you mentioned Star Wars, was a huge game, um, we had maybe 20 or 30 players that stuck with that game for a very long time, who, right. some of whom were gamers, but some of whom had never played a game in a game store before. So for me, the acid test for that is not, does Destiny survive against Magic for 30 years? I mean, you look at TCGs as your example, and nothing survived for 30 years. The answer is no, if you're a betting person, it's not gonna last that long. Um, But how long can those those customers, do those players, how long do they last? Do they move over to something else? Do they move to Star Wars Legion, or a a non-collectible game, or another trading card game, or board games? you know, so that's, and that's kind of how I measure the success of a game. It's it's less about the game and it's more can we engage with those people and provide them with the kind of service that they come back for and the kind of community that they come back for uh, long term. I think that's, really that's
1: just longevity. That you know, that's good business, right? You know, it's it, it's it's why we're both here, Matthew. That's that's <laughs> what we've been able to do for twenty years, right?
2: We're giving Tom these very um, very. Controlled business people answers here, and maybe not the uh, magic beta pack outrage that we're, we're supposed to be having.
0: No, this is perfect. This is a, this is a great mix of you know definite like awesome advice, and then you know also just complete uh, baseless speculation on what's going to happen. So this is exactly what I was hoping to have.
1: That's exactly what I was hoping to get. But uh, no, I think that's a really. good you know, point. what do you expect after four hours after the announcement? You know,
2: exactly. You can read the article out loud very dramatically.
0: I'm sure we could. We not very right <laughs> long. It's actually a pretty short one. It
2: uh, probably only takes three minutes. <laughs> yeah.
0: But I, I really like that point, though. That's a really an interesting point about, like, which games, you know, when the person, like, uh, I think, like, Force of Will or something like that, something that blew up for a brief period of time and then kind of fizzled out, how many of those players, you know, when they went to their local game stores, did they continue going to their local game stores after their favorite thing that brought them in? Did it capture their attention enough to find to you know go on to something else? And I wonder how much of that is the nature of the game, and like just who, the kinds of people that the game attracts, and how much of it is the store that was facilitating that community, and how much did they provide to kind of build that goodwill that turned them into you know maybe long term customers or something like that.
1: I think we've seen that over the years with with even with Magic communities and and Yu Gi Oh communities where you'll have this group of players that play together socially and they have a blast doing it and we have a bad set and some get out but they still get together and i know a lot of them still do board game nights board game weekends the micro communities and so what we've done is we've, we've created small little tiny communities inside our larger community of people who enjoy the social experience at the table whether it's cards boards dice miniatures it doesn't matter it's the people around the table and the fun that they have and um for for the successful game store, we realize that they may not always want magic and we don't need to chase that as hard as we want. They may not want Pokemon and they may not want 40K. It doesn't matter what it is. We want them to come back to us for that good feeling and the experience or something that they can take to the table and make that experience for their new friends. And that's where we win.
2: I don't don't disagree with anything that, that Pat said. I mean, one of the metrics that we look at is you know, There's always this conversation when you talk about TCGs, so I'm just going to set them aside, but it's how many people are in your game room is like one of these metrics, and it's the wrong metric, right? It's it's not how many people are in the game room. We've seen this during COVID, right? We had no one in our game room for a while, and we still had people buying through our website. And we were doing deliveries, right? And then we came out of COVID, and we had people in our game room, and we found that we had more customers than we went, when we went into lockdown. And if you're doing your job properly, you're providing what the customer needs now, and that helps you build that community. Whether that's playing in their house or playing in the store or playing at school or playing at the VFW or the church or what, it doesn't really matter, right? You you try to get them the experience where they're going to be. And if that's magic, great. And if it's board games, okay, like Pat said, uh, that's all kind of the same thing. You're you're selling the fun. You're not selling the product,
1: right? That that's exactly it. You know, if we if we step back and look ten years ago, you know, when Wizards was kind of talking about the WPM Premium Program, and you got to have snacks and you got to have ch- chips and soda is what you're going to make it at. No, experience is where you're going to make it at. Chips and soda might be a revenue thing. Um, food in a restaurant in a cafe might be a revenue thing, but it's all about that experience at the table, um, and and making those memories um, when we can hit that happy spit space inside a person's soul, um, they're going to come back.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that's the one thing that defines a game store more than anything else. And it's the thing that That's the reason why it has such a special place in people's hearts. Like I, I would imagine almost a universal experience for game store owners is that they, at some point in their past, had that experience somewhere else, and they wanted to recreate it. And that's the thing that captured their attention. That's why they got into the business. I won't put words in your mouth, but I'm assuming that's something that might have happened for you too, because that's a very common thing. Right? It's one of the reasons why there are so many game stores, unfortunately and fortunately, that pop up, because people have that experience and they want to share it, right? But they might not necessarily be prepared to do it in a way that's long-term success. Uh, but that's a thing that, like, if you can, if you can create an environment that replicates that consistently and gives that to the customers consistently, then I think you have a really good chance of making it, you know, for for the long term, right? Actually creating a business that will be successful for you, but also successful for, for your customers and something that people really, really like and really enjoy and want to keep coming back to.
2: Yeah, I think, I think create is kind of the key word, right? You know, I tend to think of a business like, you know, like a written document or like anything else that a person makes like a painting, right? It, nothing is happening accidentally, right? Everything that happens should be deliberate. You have an idea of who your target audience is. You should have an idea how you're going to reach them and- Want and, and you're creating the atmosphere and the environment that you hope they will really appreciate and love and come back to. And for a lot of us, there were things that we loved about stores in the past or communities in the past and bring like to the business that we're running. For me, a lot keeps me engaged is that community building element, right? It's, it's not really the product past a certain point. It's the people. And I think finding ways to fill those social needs, um, that's what excites me now years
1: on. Yeah, I, I agree, Matthew. That, that That's what does it. And, and our ability to actually get out there and engage, listen, and adapt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's one of the things that I see so many st- young store owners or new store owners is I'm in my store from eight in the morning till midnight, seven days a week. I never get out in the community. How do I get out into that community? And you've got to build that into your plan right right from day one. Get outside. We'll, we'll do whatever you have to do to make that work because expecting to be able to interact inside your house is really difficult.
0: Yeah. 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 Marketing is a good way of doing that. Marketing is how you kind of send out your messages outside your walls and start reaching some new people. But sometimes you have to get out there and beat the street.
2: And I think it's, it's tough when you're new too, because your, your resources are more limited, you know, maybe a large staff, you may not have any staff in some cases, you know, and then that's challenging because you can get stuck in this cycle where you're just marketing product and not marketing the experience. And that's whether you, whether you know it or not, that can just kind of lead you. In a where you just kind of down over many years. And honestly, I've told a lot of people, if that's as much as your plan is like, go do any other noble thing with your life. but do not waste your time in retail, like there's so many other things that you could do that you enjoy more and, and would let you engage with people more and, and would feel meaningful to you as well.
1: Yeah, if if you're not getting the, that self fulfillment out of it and you're just trying to do it to have your buddies sitting around the table, that's cool, but you're never gonna grow. It, it just you just there's a finite limit to the number of people that wanna sit around my table personally, one on one.
2: You know, and I would argue that your buddies will probably sit around your table anyway. They sit around my table, so I don't need right. a store for that. <laughs> yeah, you know, right, you exactly. know fun without that, the burden
0: of a business having to manage everything absolutely. and the stress that comes along with that. Yeah. Yeah, though, the, the industry is not for everybody. It takes a very special person with the right skill set and the right resources to make it. And I know that one of, the, one of the more common reactions to someone would be like, oh, I want to start a game store. Is like, probably don't. Probably don't. You know, wherever you're at, you're most likely you're not ready for it. I, there's a mix. I've always felt kind of like... I know that there's a, a bit of a like a jaded experience that comes from having a bunch of people pop up and fail, and, and seeing all the stress and the devastation that comes along with a business that doesn't go well, and that's not fun to watch, watching other people do that or go, or experience it. But I also feel like there's, I don't want to kill dreams, you know. So like there's a mix of like ah go for it. Like if you feel like you got it and you you believe in yourself and you know what you're doing, you have what you need, then do it. But there's definitely like a threshold of. Uh, encouragement, I guess that you want to to or a balance of encouragement. Right.
1: To. It always amazes me. I'll get a call every week or two, hey I want to open a game store, what what should I do? You know, I, I've got I got ten thousand dollars in the big magic collection or big Pokemon collection and, and well why? Well I just want to do it. Now you really kinda need to know that why inside. You know, it, it and understand it.
2: Yeah and I think you know it, you don't want to give, you don't want to crush dreams, Tom, but you also don't want to sow misery out there, right? I, I, I've said this to, to friends, to family, to people who ask about opening stores. Right? I would rather know the why and fail trying, but know why I tried and go out there and say, well, I tried and I didn't really know why I was doing it and I failed and like, that's just, you're just wasting your time, right? It's one thing to go out with a vision and try to execute and fail at it. That's life. But it's quite another one to go out and be like, well, I had a bunch of stuff, so I opened a store. What was the point, though? Right? How did what, what did that fulfill for you?
0: Yeah, yeah. And, like I think that that comes from that experience, right? That they have this feel good experience, and they just want to feel good all the time. And they feel like it's part of that mismatch expectation, right? People think that I'm going to own a game store, and that means playing games with my friends all day, and it's just going to be great, awesome, you know, smooth sailing from here on out. It's like, not the reality of what the thing is. And I think that's part of it, is that they have this experience with this, with this business model. You know, They've great experiences with their friends, great experiences with the games. It finds them as an identity, and they just want to like, do that all the time. It's just they probably don't realize that that's not exactly what the reality ends up being. And I, I can certainly appreciate the people who are trying to dissuade those and be like, I'm going to save you a lot of pain and a lot of heartache. Just stick to the kitchen table and enjoy your hobby. And play with your friends because that's the thing that you want right that's this thing that you should be focusing on and put your energy and effort towards something that maybe allows you to facilitate that on your off time right maybe there's there's the best of both worlds here it's a it's a fine line to walk though and the internet's not a good place for subtlety so it usually comes out with uh, you know this is the worst idea you've ever had or you know somebody who's completely like yeah go for it live your dreams whatever you know motivational quote you want to throw out there right like, uh, yeah it's challenging talking to a lot of people all at once because everyone's got an individual story and an individual, they you know different positions and different thoughts and different reasons and one person might be the perfect best you know game store owner ever i mean it's the perfect one the other one might be uh, somebody who would never possibly make it or be miserable if they did and you don't really know who's who right? you kind of just have to here's my advice
1: you know, and, and we were talking about the cafes. The same exact discussion is what I see on the new restaurant forums as well is, you know, why do you want to open it? Well, because I, I want to cook. Well, you really, if you own a restaurant, you you hopefully aren't cooking every day because then the other stuff isn't get, getting done either. So it's, you know, that board game cafe, you actually double up the, the resource requirements, on the especially on the top end. And to do it right is a lot more difficult than to do either one right.
2: Yeah. And I, I would think, too, particularly if, if you've got restaurateurs and, and food and beverage people who are going into it because they love cooking and they love the experience of eating with their friends, I doubt you're going to get much of that. It's, you really have to have the why am I opening a restaurant in this spot, in this market question figured out. Not, I love food, right? I love food. I would never open.
1: What our motivation was is we wanted to let families have a great experience at the table in a different way, and so it was a marriage of the two. You know, the play experience at the table, along with the the um, light food that we do. You know, it's. Um, I'm not saying you never see a steak or seafood dinner here, but um, you know, we have the best darn grilled cheese sandwiches in all of northeastern Wisconsin, and you know, that's, that's good enough for me.
0: Yeah, the way that I always thought about it was there's. Most people come at it with a passion for games, but like you're saying, you know, like just because you have a passion for food doesn't mean that you're going to open a restaurant. That that you're probably going to lose your passion for food if that's what you're actually going to do. But if you have that passion for games, that's why most game store owners like kick things off. Is like, oh, I've got gaming is my my thing. It's my it's who I am. I want to do that, you know, full time. I want to make that a job somehow. But you need other components if you want to make it. So that, that that's actually going to be something that you enjoy and something that you be, can be successful at. And the two things that I think kind of set people apart are, do you like to host? Like hosting in the sense of like, I like to have people around. and I like to facilitate their experience. And I like to have, you know, I like to mingle and talk to people and I like to get to know them. And that like classic host, like, right? are you, are you comfortable having a lot of people in your house and, you know, just, Kind of having them in your environment and kind of controlling and curating and making sure they're having a good time if you're if you're one of those people you might be you might be good right because if you're the person who's like i hate people and i don't want to talk to anybody probably not gonna be you're gonna have a tough time those first few years because that's what you're gonna be doing uh but then also like are you you know like are you just a numbers person are you okay with you know like core business stuff like are you okay doing the, the things that you learn in like an nba program can you do that are you okay with math and accounting and like the mundane numbers and stuff? And if you have those three elements, you've, you've got a much better chance than if you've just like got the, the passion or, you know, I'm I've uh, been playing magic for a bazillion years or whatever. Most people come at it with, you need a few other pieces of the puzzle. If you want to make it, uh, make it long term.
2: I was just going to say, I think patience is really, really key. I think there's a, a real impulse on the internet to speak first and think second. And I don't think that works very well in business. Um, and I think if it does, it's it's damage control that you spend most of your time doing. So I, th- I think there is an element of, of thinking through what you're going to say before you've typed it out on Twitter. Or it'll help serve you well in marketing, but it also serves you well in customer communications.
1: Yeah, I think also the other thing that a lot of us that have been around have learned is to admit that we're wrong and to be able to change um, based on information that we have. You know, it's um, we've all we all make mistakes we all say stupid things we type I type fewer things that are stupid today than I did five years ago and um, you know it, it evolves and uh, you know being able to do that and say hey I screwed up is extremely important and in the business world you've got to be able to do that and a lot of times that on the competitive scene with a competitive player base that's not something that a lot of the the younger or less experienced business people are willing or able to do. And that'll cost you dearly.
2: Yeah, certainly adaptability, right?
0: hundred well, percent agree on that. And, uh, that's not just a business advice thing. That's a life advice thing. If you're not willing to change your perspective, admit when you're wrong, you're going to have a tough time, uh, no matter what. Cause, uh, reality will catch up with you <laughs> eventually. <laughs> All right. So, Coming up on the 45-minute mark, I think this would be a really great time to just baselessly, again, speculate on what the next 10 years looks like. What do you guys think? A decade from now, magic still exists? Is it gone? Does Lorcana take over? What happens?
2: Well, baseless speculation. Look, I can give you that. Um, I think you're always going to have a hunger to do things face-to-face, just baked into the species, right? magic's still around yeah the cards are still going to exist is it still being printed i mean i hope so it certainly seems to be something people love um it's a lot of fun, right? but you get, we've got the same questions about everything dnd be online only you know and my answer to that is is always that there's always going to be a segment of people that want to meet in person is it going to be a game store is it going to be a cafe is it going to be a half virtual tabletop half in person experience no man technology advances really really quickly and that's always going to be an element there but there, in 10 years and 20 years and 50 years there's still people sitting around and playing games in person i mean they've got dice that are carved in you know fossilized bones i don't think that
1: i agree with matthew um you know it's it, we're going to evolve um we're still going to have tabletop i think we have a huge market opportunity, you know, with the longevity of the population. We're going to see people playing. I plan on playing games for another 30 or 40 years. And uh, coming up on retirement, I've got 30 years of gaming where I'm, I don't have any responsibilities. So there's a huge market there that we kind of tend to forget about because we always gear towards that growing the gamer um, but that's going to evolve, and I do think that technological advances that we aren't even aware of right now, there's some virtual reality things that are out there. You know, we may be all wired in with Google Glasses and virtual reality as we're walking down the street. Instead of going down the street, we're we're in Raven's Bluff or wherever we're at, you know, and Matthew's in, in New York, you're, you're up in um up in Canada and I got two guys from Japan with us and we're, we're we're adventuring in a virtual world. I see that happening, but, um, you know, we're probably 10, 15 years from that. So, but, but who knows, you know, you keep talking um, about
2: retirement. Could you just engineer a way that by the time I get there, there's like D and D cruises and things like that, because right now none of that exists.
1: (laughs) Um, it's on my list, um, of how am I going to do that in retirement communities where we have that, for 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 old folks to play but you just 30 uh,
2: years of playing games and, and that sounds with no responsibilities that sounds awesome right when can i get there
1: no it yeah <laughs> you know the secret is finding the people that you want to do it with day after day after day and i think that's where the the low, friendly local game store they have an advantage, and that's that's something the online community can't do. It uh, Online dating has failed miserably for decades. Onlines, you know, and putting two people together on tabletop, it, it hasn't been terribly successful. And I think that that's the niche that the independent retailer is going to be able to fill as long as we're willing to adapt and engage it at the community level.
0: I like it. I think that is a perfect place to wrap up the episode. And, uh, yeah, and kick it off to the listeners and see what they think. And, uh, yeah, let us know your thoughts, right? Uh, so where can everybody find you guys? Uh, do, do the plug thing, talk about your stores, and uh, then we'll close it up.
2: You can find us online at justgamesrochester.com. And we're also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all of those great social media networks you love.
1: And you've got an eight great email service too, Matthew. Um, you're inspirational there. Oh, thank you. Yeah, um, and you can find Gnome Games in the Noshery in Green Bay and Appleton, Wisconsin, and also up in Door County and Sturgeon Bay, or gnomegames.com.
0: Beautiful. All right, everybody, thank you very much for tuning in for another episode, and thank you, Matthew and Pat, for coming back on and having this fun conversation. Uh, this was a good time. I'm. It was always enjoy. Or I always enjoy some baseless speculation, and uh, you know, hopefully some nuggets of wisdom sprinkled in there. It's always a good time. Uh, yeah thank you very much for coming on the podcast we'll talk to everybody again in the next episode
2: thanks for having us Tom yeah. thank you
0: alright that's it for today's episode of the Maniverse podcast don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you stay up to date whenever we upload and if you like what you hear we'd also appreciate a quick five star review on iTunes because it'd be a humongous help thanks again for listening to today's show I'm Tom Traplin I've been your host and we'll talk to you again in the next episode of the Maniverse podcast